Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's Jeep 4x4 season. Make your next adventure epic and hurry in now for great deals. And now, well-qualified lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee 4xe for $3.89 a month for 24 months with $5,399 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution, a lease to Chrysler Capital. Extra charge for miles over 20000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 531-23. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies, with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own, and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Everybody and welcome to another brand new episode of the Geek Buddies. <gasps> hey! We are back again this week uh, to have some fun talking about uh, some questions from you all. The special Q and A episode uh, here with me and uh, the gentleman right there. You see, Shannon McClung. We'll introduce ourselves officially in just a second. Uh, Michael Vogel is not joining us, unfortunately, this week. He is off on travels as a very busy man in the world. So we are handling things today and having a fun Q&A. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Outlaw Nation and on the Geek Buddy, Shannon. And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where uh, the second season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, our episodes just started airing last week on YouTube. So at some point, they will be making their way to Netflix where the entire first season is right now. Wow. Yeah, you should definitely go watch that. Absolutely. A lot going on there with Vogel and Shannon McClung's writing. On Strawberry Shortcake, absolutely. Some good stuff. Uh, last night, watched a Modern Family episode with my brother there, Shannon McClung. She is going <laughs> through them all and uh, pulled up one. I was like, hey, we know that guy. A lot of fun. <laughs> lot of fun uh, but yeah, we are answering questions from you all. We put the call out on Twitter. We're going to take our turns one by one, reading the questions and answering them for you all. Hope this is a fun episode for you all. We'll get some, I've already seen some topical questions and also some fun questions about us as the Geek Buddies overall. And if Michael Vogel gets me some of his answers to these questions. I will add these to the end of the episode so people can have their uh, uh, their point of or their questions answered 
uh, with Mikey as well. But uh, without further ado, oh, we should also thank Carbon Health, who powers and sponsors here on uh, the Outlaw Nation and the Geek Buddies, specifically Carbon Health. Dot com. Go ahead and head over there uh, to get all your healthcare needs serviced and taken care of. And any questions you might have answered there by the fine professionals over at carbonhealth.com. They got 125 locations uh, nationwide. They got 50 plus locations there in California alone. COVID testing. They have rapid antigen kits you can get there at the clinics themselves for COVID testing as well. They also believe in creating these plans for you specifically and working with communities that uplift each other. And certainly the Geek Buddies community is one of those communities that does uplift each other. So let's jump into it without further ado. Shannon, you want to take the first question? The first first one from uh, one of John's fellow podcast hosts, a very good friend of ours, Steve Morris. And so just to give his Twitter handle the proper credit from at SR Morris. Yes. He says, okay, at Geek Buddies, here's my questions. Hollywood has spent the last 20 years embracing geek culture. Geek culture, excuse me. Are there any areas of that culture that they've really gotten wrong or entirely missed? What geeky things are still waiting to be exploited? Wow. That is a good question. I would imagine there's a lot, isn't there, in the geek culture that hasn't quite fully been explored? Yes, we've seen comic books and we've seen superheroes, villains, all that kind of stuff, graphic novels. Um, is there, I think anime is the next thing, right? It seems to be slowly becoming something that's coming over into the States and people are enjoying it, but it's not quite caught on to the massive levels that you've seen other geekdom get caught into or get uh, um, caught up in. So I think that's the next frontier uh, for me personally and video game stuff, right? I mean, we've got video games. People enjoy talking about video games, but video game movies that are consistently at that level and uh, delivering uh, um, uh, really good movies, I think is the next step for that. Shannon, what do you think? Are there areas that we're not addressing in the world of geekdom? Well, I think adult animation is still an area that can, and and I think that extends beyond anime. I mean, I think um, animated programming that is specifically made for, you know, the the older crowd, um, that is still um, an area that I think that they are having some success. I mean, the Harley Quinn animated series for HBO Max, I mean, they're getting ready to start their third season pretty soon. Um, And that is very much for grownups. That is not for kids. Um, and, And I think... You can tell when a certain aspect of geek, geek culture has really sort of penetrated the the uh, public at large. Like superhero movies are no longer a geeky thing. I mean, they right. are they're the movies right yeah. now. I mean, they're the ones that are making um, you know the the buckets of cash. Um, so I think there are, there is a certain segment of the population that instinctively sees animation and think that's for kids right and there was a time that they would see a superhero they would see somebody in a cape or somebody flying and think that's for kids so i think it can definitely i think it can definitely happen but i think for adult animation to really catch on um it's gonna have to i think it's probably gonna have to expand its um its not necessarily its source material, but I guess it's the, the genres. I mean, yeah. right now, a lot of a lot of adult animation, very action heavy or uh, comedy. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, uh, the action, the action heavy stuff does tend to be a little superhero or sci fi. But that's more like the anime. 
Um, so I think it can happen. Um, it, it will probably just take time. I mean, I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of an animated feature that was made more for grownups that's, that's come out. Um, you know, yeah. you definitely get it more on the television side, but I don't know. And I'm sure someone in the comments will correct me too sweet. Um, <laughs> but, but that's kind of what I was thinking. And there are certain genres in, in, in films. Like I do think, uh, you know, something that I really like is uh, steampunk. Yes. And there have been a, a couple of attempts. I mean, you know, like the Wild Wild West movie, that right. was that that was kind of a steampunky type thing. Yeah. Um, that's something that I would like to see. I mean, there's actually a um, animated series, an adult animated series, on um, Amazon Prime, uh, Prime right now called The uh, Legend of uh, Vox, Vox yeah. Machina. Vox yeah. Machina. Yeah. Vox Machina. Um, that is a little more fantasy based, but there is one character like that has this sort of uh, like a pistol and uh, along with being very funny. I mean, it is very, again, not for, not for kids, um, but it's really, really enjoyable. And so there is, there is a slight steampunk aspect to it. It's a little more, a little more fantasy, a little more Dungeons and Dragons. Um, but steampunk is something that I would love to see. I would love to see a big steampunk action movie i think that would be great yeah that would be fun um and the other part of the question is are there any areas of the geek culture that they've really gotten wrong or entirely missed i would say a lot of the female-based female-led geek culture uh because a majority of the geek culture over the last uh, that they've you know made movies out of that they've focused on has been very firmly in the male camp and i think that is changing certainly over the last five years but i think people of color and women based or female-based uh, geek culture pro- pro- properties and IP and franchises, those have gotten short shrift over the last, uh, since the beginning and the explosion of the geek culture stuff. And I think that's going to be the next frontier. And we're seeing that change. I think Miss Marvel is a good step in that direction. I think Moon Knight, Moon Knight wanted to be a step in that direction, but I do think Miss Marvel is confidently taking a step in that direction. Black Panther was a part of that as well. Maybe a little bit of Black Widow. Hawkeye certainly having, um, uh, uh, um, oh God. Kate Bishop. Yeah, yeah. Kate Bishop with Haley Steinfeld leading the way there. So there, there, there's, there, the doors are opening, but I think that's going to be the next frontier. And, and male fans need to start getting used to this. This is going to start happening more and more. So get knowledge on the female-based um, geek properties, superhero properties, franchises, what have you, because that's going to open the door for sure. And maybe even Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I've started playing with some people recently. I, I've never played, never thought I'd play my entire effing life. Um, and some friends, uh, Wendy Lee and some friends at the Lake to the Party, they talked me into playing with them, and I've been enjoying it. Two hours, two and a half hour sessions every Saturday night, and it's been a blast. So that could be something they could open the door to, more of the RPG stuff at some point, because um, you talk Vox Machina, that came out of Critical Role doing RPG stuff over at uh, Geek and Sundry, and that blew up, and so much so that they now have that animated show. So mm-hmm. incredible stuff. Um, all right, uh, where are we going to next? Uh, uh, Shannon, what's the next question? Uh, let's see. So on mine, mm. oh, so this is this is sort of in the uh, in the video game. Sorry, world. it's my turn to choose. You chose Steve. I apologize. Let me jump oh, in. No there. worries. Um, all right, uh, here's. I think this is a good one here from uh, Aaron Garner at the O Brew One. He says, "Let me uh, let me share the screen here so I can you guys can read along with me." And I'm trying to do that for all these questions. Um, is there a moment or time in your life that you realized you were a geek 
If so, what show slash book slash movie slash event made you realize it, realize it or did you always consider yourself a geek? Oh, Shannon, thoughts? Well, I'm, I always, you know, I grew up loving Star Wars and Indiana Jones, um, as you can tell right there. Right. Um, so I never really associated that with being a geek. Like, those were just the things that I, those were the things that I liked. I mean, it was probably around, I mean, 1989, 1989's Batman, that's, that was really my introduction to superheroes, even though I knew about yeah. the Adam West show and, you know, I, I had seen the, you know, the uh, Christopher Reeve superman movies several times they were never real like i i liked i liked the, the concept it just was not really my thing right um but i want to say i mean it would have been much later i mean i i did really start to enjoy the superhero stuff i loved the superhero genre mm. but it was probably in 2000 um okay when i was going to the movies and, and I don't remember the film that it was attached to, but I was literally going to the movies just to see the first teaser for X-Men. Mm. Um, I mean, m multiple times. I remember I, <laughs> I, I uh, had gotten into a movie theater with, with some friends and we had missed some of the trailers. Like we were right. late. And I remember asking a stranger, <laughs> I was like, hey, did they play the X-Men trailer? And this lady looked at me like, who is this dude trying to talk <laughs> to me in the middle of the movies? Um, but I think it, it's also when it, it started to become okay. I mean, because again, yeah. I loved I loved the first two Batman movies back then. And like Batman Forever, I kind of convinced myself. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it's, it's good. Um, <laughs> it was only like Batman and Robin that I was like, ah, oh, yeah, I, may, maybe not. Um, but when you saw like these, these bigger projects with, yeah. with big talent attached they started to get this push. I mean, that's when it was like, oh, okay. You know, like people are now starting to, to realize, you know, the stories the the really, really epic stories that these characters have. And yes, they're, they're in, in capes and masks and stuff like that. But I mean, a, a lot of these stories are very human. Yeah. Um, I know I've talked about it before, but in the wake of 89 Batman, like that's when I started reading the new Titans. And it was yeah. the same time that a lonely place of dying was in the middle of coming yeah. out yeah. and you know watching dick grayson train tim drake um i mean i guess yeah that would have been after after the miniseries but like watching that happen and uh, i was like oh this is this is awesome and, and meeting other folks uh who who were into the same thing i mean yeah it would have been in the 96 to 2000 area yeah, I mean, I was a nerd first in terms of like, I was really into history and really into those, you know, talking about stuff that had happened in our culture and all that. So for me, since I was a young kid, I was into that and I would gravitate to friends who'd have discussions on that. Um, geekery didn't come around until later. And maybe my first brush with it was uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. And, and certainly Star Wars was cool. People loved it. People enjoyed it. But if you wore the shirt sometimes, depending on what shirt you wore, the jocks would absolutely make fun of you and absolutely put you in the geek nerd crowd uh, or beat you up or do whatever. But it was Star Trek that I would have to kind of hide away and discuss with a certain intellectual nerds and shit about. Whereas Star Wars is more about like just celebrating a fun space adventure. Uh, that's when I, they really kind of hit me. Uh, this idea, but it wasn't fully formed in my head 
until I think I was 15 or 16 and I was going to the comic book shop every week to get those folder of comic books. And I would sit in the back with, and I've talked about this with dudes who are like older than I was or around the same age, teenage kids around the same age. And we would all just sit there in stools and read our folder of comic books in quiet, in quiet. And that's when I realized, yeah, I'm part of this geek club and I'm looking forward to getting these comic books every week to sit in the back with other sweaty, swarthy, slightly out of shape dudes and read (laughs) these comic books and get lost in um, the stuff. And and I think, I think, uh, you know, GI Joe transformers animated series, those kinds of things were things that you liked to watch, but you rarely talked about. So you weren't aware that you were a geek or a nerd at the young age when you're watching those things. It was later that that's kind of your launching pad to these other things that kind of made it made you aware of it when you were a teenager. So that's my answer to that question. It's the it's the awareness. Yes. It's, it's like, you know, you know what you like. Um, but, but sort of understanding like, oh, this is an entire, this is a part of an entire culture. Right. The more exposure you get to it, you know, the, the, the more fun it is. I mean, I want to say my first comic con was in 2006 Mm. and, you know, Vogel had gone for years at that point. I had another friend named Aaron Bennett, um, who had gone, had gone a couple of times. And I remember going down there, not really understanding what it was i mean especially the big deal they were making about it i was kind of like oh okay and driving into san diego like into the gas like walking into the gas lamp district and you see the entire sort of that's sort of three or four city blocks that everything like you know superheroes and sci-fi and everything has just been taken over and i'm thinking oh my gosh this i didn't know this existed (laughs) 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 i mean it's a it's a just very, you know, very joyful, like yeah. uh, just ear to ear. I mean, and I remember, you know, the first time you went, I remember yeah. the first time oh my God. Alanowski went and yeah. just seeing like your eyes kind of bug out. <laughs> it's true. You never forget your first con. You never forget your first uh, Comic Con for sure. Uh, There's so much. And it was, it's still my favorite experience was the first time I went. Still my favorite. It's pure. It wasn't overwhelming. I got all kinds of swag that I stood in line for like 15, 20 minutes for something at the most. It was great. People were throwing stuff at you, uh, T-shirts and whatever to take with you. Um, and, of course, now it's people online for like three or four hours. So it's, it's a whole other ball in terms of in the uh, on the floor. It's a whole other ballgame now than it used to be. So, but, yeah, that first year was still my favorite year for sure. And getting, you know, hanging out with you guys and doing all the madness of the con, going sneaking into the parties, the whole nine. It was great. <laughs> Um, all right, now, 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 now we don't have to sneak in. Yeah, right. Now we don't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now we're now we we know enough people, and now we can go like, well, I don't know if I want to go. Yeah, it's that kind of thing now. Um, all right, what's you uh, you pick one uh, the next one, bro? Okay, so this one, I I think this is a pretty uh, topical, okay. topical a question from James Dunn at the underscore James Dunn as Tom okay. Cruise gets to an age where he will probably reduce the amount of action movie he does action movies he does after mission impossible what's next for him i'd love to see him do more comedy i kind of miss the jerry Maguire, tom cruise style of acting oh that's a good question from james yeah i i you know we certainly we saw that in topic thunder turned up to 11 uh the kind of comedy that he can do there so certainly he has the chops to play those kinds of things 
I think you're going to see a more serious Tom Cruise. I think you're going to see him in smaller films, scratch that Magnolia itch at times. But yes, I think he'll still do those. I think he'll still do some fun comedies and whatever. But, uh, you know, he might even take a little bit of a break and just kind of do something every few months. Not every, not all the time, not a bunch of movies, not big high profile movies. But then again, man, it's where his bread is buttered. So he might find a way to be a part of a franchise where he'll have the occasional action scene, but maybe he's not relied upon to be the main star. I don't know. But that's that. those are the things that are going on in my head. Maybe even little like older rom-coms. I don't know. Maybe he'll go into the it's complicated stage of his life like Baldwin and Martin did. I don't know. What, what do you think uh, here with this one, Shannon? I... I don't think he's anywhere near stopping these action movies. Really? I, okay. Nope. <laughs> I, I think he is going to keep going and keep going until until the wheels fall off. Wow. Um, and if, he, you know, his most recent offering is any, you know, any indication, I mean, it sure seems like Top Gun is going to be the movie of the year. Oh, yeah. Right now. Um, and it was great. I mean, and it was it was a it was a terrific fantastic film and, and it's certainly one that i don't think anyone could have predicted like everyone thought it was probably going to do well yeah, yeah, yeah but but to this to this level i don't think anyone <laughs> could see that um something that i would like to see him do i'd like to see him chase after an oscar again i feel like he yeah. i feel like that's kind of been in his rear view mirror yeah. for a while now that he had his born on the fourth of july success he had his magnolia his, his Magnolia run, he had his Jerry Maguire run. Um, like looking like I pulled up his IMDb as you were reading the question. Yeah. And I want to say of his recent films, the only one, uh, American Made, which. Yeah, that was know, good. That was a good movie that did not, probably didn't get marketed very well. And yeah. also his. His leading lady was so much younger than he was. Um, actually, when I was at rehearsal today on break, uh, it was playing like it was on oh. FX or something. And people were like, <laughs> people had been watching like, this is pretty good. I'm like, yeah, this is a good movie. I mean, yeah. his, his the, the actress who played his wife, she was probably too young and he was too old. Yes. Um, so they needed to find sort of, you know, a, a better, a better balance. Cause that was the one thing. Cause I remember you and I saw that together. Yes. Yeah. That was the one thing that was a little jarring. It's like, you are so much older than her. <laughs> um, but besides that, I mean, the last, I don't know, 12 years of movies, I mean, yeah. Top Gun, Fallout, American Made, The Mummy, you know, the two Jack Reacher movies. <laughs> <laughs> which I was not a fan of those. I like the first um, one. And, you know, and a lot of people do. A lot of people yeah. like that movie. I mean, Edge of Tomorrow, even uh, Oblivion. Like Oblivion, that's a smaller movie, but it's like a smaller Tom Cruise movie. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. still an enormous sci-fi production. Like you, I, I think the last time he tried to do comedy was uh, Rock of Ages, which again, that one did not yield the best results. Um, it's he, He's got his... Um, stable of directors which yeah. is basically doug lyman and chris mcquarrie at this point and it seems like they're the only ones he really makes movies with um i i would like to see a, a, him and doug lyman go go for an oscar because doug lyman you know he, he's an interesting filmmaker i mean i'd yeah. like to see him make it make another smaller smaller movie i think i think under different circumstances american made could have been that movie well, yeah um he's, he's got the chops that's for damn sure 
Do you remember, uh, oh gosh, what was it? It was the Redford movie, that Lion, Lions for Lions Lambs. For Lambs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like something like that. Like I would love to see Tom Cruise play, play a politician. Like, yeah. You might see it, more films with intrigue thrillers not action movies right mm. you might see more of those like where he's having to use his mind a little more his brains a little bit more and it's a little less about the action sequence it's more about well if he's running he's running to get away from something right as opposed to he's jumping into a helicopter or a plane and riding on the side of it like it'll be smaller things but it'll be it but the film will have weightier subject matter to tackle i could absolutely see that because i mean He's this rarity that he has survived this long as an action star. None of them are still doing it at the level that he is. Like Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Seagal, Van Damme, none of them are doing it at the level. That he, even Keanu is a little winded from the double Matrix and uh, and uh, John Wick John situation. Wick. <laughs> yeah, because Revolution was horrible. So it's like it, it becomes where you become a parody of yourself. And I think he was headed towards that after the mummy certainly people were ready to write the funeral or the 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 obituary for tom cruise in action movies after the mummy crashed and burned but he bounced back with those mission impossible movies just like he did after the after night and day right after night and day and after the situation (laughs) with jumping up yeah right exactly the whole promotional campaign for night and day that almost sank him he bounced back with the mission impossible 3 movie bounced back with that uh, tropic thunder movie so he he's a survivor and he's got good instincts uh, in the water. Even when there's, it uh, looks like he might be the next meal, he figures out how to survive and come out on top. Uh, and I think that's something that's so great about him. So I am absolutely going to be fascinated to see what he does here. Because we're crossing 60 with Tom Cruise, you know. And no offense, but 60 ain't 40, bro. 60 ain't 30, bro. It's, <laughs> it's a whole other ballgame. And we're, we're seeing him get injured more consistently. Uh, and so those things start to become uh, red flags if you're a yeah. studio uh, and, you know, it's, and people don't want to see. But then again, we're seeing Stallone coming back in Tulsa King, Jeff Goldblum. And this could be interesting that he does like a the old man series on TV. We could see Tom in a streaming series. That would totally work. I would love to see Tom as a bit of a CIA badass in a series where people are coming after him for whatever reason. So you could still keep the action side of things, but also give him something more, uh, as I said, weightier to chew on as an actor in terms of dialogue. And uh, so I think scenes, yeah. it was War of the Worlds that he jumped on the couch. Mm-hmm. So that was War of the Worlds. And I want, I, what, what did he recover? My bad. Uh, so it was Mission Impossible 3 was the one he did after to try to redeem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was Night and Day because Night and Day yeah. was kind of, uh, uh, didn't do well. And yeah, yeah, yeah. that's when they added uh, Renner to ghost protocol because it's like oh it's like when jeremy renner was the guy that you handed your franchise off to like with born with mission impossible and then because ghost protocol did so well it was like it was the return of tom cruise and i want to say with the exception of the mummy and rock of ages i mean everything post ghost protocol like he's really kind kind of had kind of honed in yeah agreed agreed um all right let's uh move on to another one here I like this. Well, we, we'll address this one quickly from Adam Lee here. Uh, let me share the screen and read it. He says, uh, how did you, he's from, he's at Adam Lee, 832-81485. I hope I got that right. How did you 
meet, each meet each other. I'm a huge fan of Geek Buddies and follow Johnson's Collider Days and uh, Movie Trivia Showdown. I was first introduced to Mike and Shannon as guests on the Cinephiles, but never heard the origin story. So, uh, Shannon, you want to take it away with the origin story of the Geek Buddies? So Vogel and I met freshman year at Florida State University. We yeah, were both um, we were both in the uh, school of theater, yeah. and became very very fast friends. Um, and the next year, sophomore year, we were supposed to live together, and then I ended up getting hired at Universal Orlando <laughs> to play John Connor in the Terminator show. And the that that money to a 19 year old my eyes just you know popped out of my head and i'm like yeah guys i don't think i'm coming back <laughs> um, and it was that year that you got to florida state yes and you met vogel but you guys didn't really become tight until london right, right? london was the launching off point for me and but we knew each other uh of each other we had met each other um but yeah we didn't know each other that well and then we, I applied to go to London because our friend uh, Jen Frazier talked me into it um, on, a, on a night walk back from a party or something. Um, and I was like, okay, I didn't have a lot of money. And my parents didn't have a lot of money, but I wanted to go to London. And so I applied, got in. And then when they were looking at the assignments, if everybody got in, um, I just saw Vogel standing there and for whatever reason, this happens every once in a while in my life, something calls me to do something and something made me go walk up to Vogel and be like, Hey dude, uh, I wonder if you want to be my roommate in London. You can go ahead and say no, if you want, I just thought it'd be kind of fun. Cause I kind of heard good things about Michael obviously. And so I was like, this could be a safe situation for me. Cause I didn't have a lot of friends besides our friend Reigns, uh, at the, school so i was like okay this could be a barrier for me and remember i'm seven years older than everybody else at this time because of having been in the military so i kind of needed a, a buffer so to speak but i also kind of trusted mike implicitly almost immediately and uh and he to my surprise and i think everyone's surprised he said yes and i thought he was going to go with josh moon or whatever and then we ended up becoming roommates and that's how we became friends and the yin and yang of each other at times um, and then I met you at Universal, I yeah. think, the first yeah, time. It, October of yeah. 1999. Yeah. Um, I was performing uh, for Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. They used mm -hmm. to have a show, they don't do it anymore, called uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Halloween Adventure. And it was sort of a, a little bit of a takeoff where Bill and Ted would go on an adventure with whatever characters or personalities were popular from pop culture of that of that year yeah uh, um it's something that they could do before the days of before youtube <laughs> because right. they, they would use characters that they did not necessarily have the rights to under satire law which is right. you know how you know snl does it um so I, I played austin powers and i played austin powers a couple of years for that show but i remember vogel brought a whole crew down yeah. from yeah. from tallahassee yeah. um because i want to say josh moon was there right yeah, our friend Josh Moon um, and several other people. That was the first time I met John. And there was a we just I mean, we didn't talk for more than 10 minutes, 10 yeah. or 15 minutes. But there was there was just an electricity <laughs> between the two of us. I would that say it's so. like, oh, this guy, this guy's going to be this guy's going to be a friend. 
Yeah. And I didn't see you again until 2002 because yeah. I was going to Universal Japan. I was going to be gone for a year, which ended up becoming two years right. that I worked in Japan. Um, but I stayed with you and Mike and Ian and yeah. your place in Hollywood. And that was another situation where, you know, the, the brief interactions that we had was just, yeah. again, it was, it was a uh, electric. Like we just knew like, Oh, we're going to be friends. Yeah. And th then when I got out here for good, that's when it became uh, official. Yeah. And, and Shannon is the rare friend where I've only ever fought with him once or twice. And both times I was wrong. And <laughs> those are the only times that and, and it's the rare friend. And I think because Shannon's always been, cool with me and good with me. Like he's always understood like who I am. So it's like, that has been a godsend so many times when I was going through all the stuff that I was going through my own personal journeys of mental health and emotional shit, depression and all of that, um, uh, which was causing all the fights I was having with people at the time in the two thousands and two thousand early 2010s. Um, Shannon was the one kind of, uh, what do you call it? Like the North star. What do you call it? Like the, just the the statue in the ground. Uh, I knew <laughs> this is the one place I could go, and I'd be okay with everything. And and we always had fun. So yeah, that's the that's the truth of it. So yeah, there you go. That's, that's well, yeah, I, it was interesting because having witnessed a, a few a few kerfuffles, um, <laughs> there, there's an escalation. And yeah. again, like I I think I can count on one hand how many times you got mad at me. Um, yeah, less, but, yeah. Finger. But, but when it happened, it was, I, I didn't, I, I always was a bit, I was always a pacifist. I was like, all right, let's, right. let's talk. Let's talk. Like what's, yeah. what's, what's this actually about? Yeah. And I She's think, I think John was so used to um, having someone come back. Yeah. Combative yeah, yeah. Um, that just being able to sit and talk and be like, all right, so this is what's going on. It's like, okay. Yeah. You, you got mad that I did that thing. I was wrong. Sorry. Yeah. Um, like we don't have to go up here. Like we can talk here and, um, you know, and, and, and vice versa. I mean, you've, yeah, you've seen yeah. me, you've seen me mad a handful of times. I don't like getting mad. I know you. It's not I, your feel, I feel bad. I feel guilty. Yeah. You carry it for days. You carry it for days. I remember. <laughs> guilty you know. Southern Baptist. Uh, yeah. And I should say I was right one time. You never leave a man behind. I was right about that one. Every the other time. I don't think. I <laughs> Are we going to relitigate this? No, no, nope, no. Nope, nope. Let's move on. You've got your answer, Adam. All right, um, uh, Shannon. Uh, what? Oh yeah. And so the and the genesis of the Geek Buddies was basically when I got into this business, I was doing shows, and I would always pitch. After a while, after I felt more comfortable, I would always pitch the idea of the three of us doing a show. I was always on Shannon and Mike about it, mentioning it, especially because we'd have these great discussions about movies after the movie. We'd sit at the bar. Sometimes it was just the three of us who went. We'd sit at the bar and just sit and talk about the movie, or we'd hang out sometime and talk about the movie. And so eventually, I finally wore them down, and we start. We and I said, you know, Infinity War is the perfect place for us to launch the show because everyone wants to talk about Infinity War. And it worked out, you know, and, and we've been doing it ever since, which is kind of crazy that we're in our fourth year. Would you say fourth year? Because I mean, well, I think it was in, it was Endgame, wasn't it? Was it? Endgame oh, oh, sorry, it was Endgame. Game. Sorry about that. Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Everyone want to talk about it, so so, so it's three, three years. years. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of crazy. It, it, it's so funny uh, along these lines, and I know we we've talked about this. Like, we'll, yeah. we'll move on to another question. Um, uh, 
there was an evening where uh, the two of us and Steve Morris, like we'd gone somewhere, yes. we'd gone to a movie at the Arclight. Yep. And we ended up at Stout, which is like a like a right. gastro, like beer and burger place. Oh, I miss um, those places. They don't have all. Them. Oh my god! Really, you don't have those? Not not, they, not where I live. They're downtown. Okay. They don't have them where I live. So that's right. You're in the burbs. That's right. <laughs> Stately so. Yeah. Good. But I have two audio files. It's from like 2013 right. of you. You talking with somebody, I, I don't remember if it was Steve or not, but it was we were talking about Superman, we were talking about Man of Steel. Yeah, <laughs> you were like, This is a man from another planet. <laughs> I have that, and I have one with, with Steve as well, making <laughs> you making a Roca point and Steve making a Morris point. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we've had some great. I mean, our discussions in our group of friends is lost to the ether like the dust of Odin uh, because, and it's a shame because we have a very intelligent group of friends and there has been some phenomenal conversations about it. and some fun ball busting and, uh, you know, uh, type of commercial, but overall conversations that were really interesting to listen to from so many different points of views, um, whether battles were ensuing or not. So, um, all right. You want to take the next one here, Shannon? Yeah, so this one is from a very loyal, uh, loyal audience member, Edward Harrell at Haskell four twenty. Yeah, let me. Here we go. All right, go ahead. And the question is, hey gang, we've heard fans beg for someone to remake the Star Wars prequels and or new trilogy. Each film would cost one hundred and fifty to two hundred million dollars. Do you think that will ever happen? Some director raising that much, hire the cast, production crew, and actually do it, or would Disney Lucasfilm stop them? Well. Yes, they would stop them because they don't have the rights to do it. Um, I don't think they're ever going to remake the prequel trilogy because people love the prequel trilogy now. Uh, and those those kids are adults now. And they're the ones who essentially willed with their universal energy Hayden Christensen to come back as Darth Vader, which I never thought I'd see in my lifetime because he was destroyed for his performance. Uh, by critics at the time and by people like me who were fans of, of Star Wars because of, you know, the, the, the his delivery, his acting, and the dialogue was terrible. It's bad direction possibly by Lucas, but it never thought it would happen. So now the prequel trilogy is like revered by Star Wars fandom. And although people do have, still have opinions about it that aren't necessarily positive, we've been drowned out by the people that are positive about it. Certainly, if you were at Star Wars Celebration this year, there was a lot of prequel trilogy stuff that was all over in terms of panels and merchandise and cosplay. Um, but uh, the new trilogy, no, I don't, I don't see Star Wars ever remaking a trilogy ever because that, that is essentially admitting to the tune of a billion dollars that you messed up a trilogy. And there's something Disney does really well is never admit fuck-ups. Uh, that's why the Don't Say Gay Bill situation was a real surprise by them they rarely admit fuck-ups uh and they just kind of move on and keep chugging forward because they know eventually people are going to forget and they've been around for decades and they're able to make other products or other pieces of media that people will love and lets people forget uh the anger they have for them for anything else that they had done before so that, that those are my thoughts on it what do you think Shane? Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely read that online from some, some parts of the fan base, like, oh, they need to remake this. They need to remake Game of Thrones season eight. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in, in, 
<laughs> in terms of Star Wars, I don't think, well, you won, as John said, like you, you, you know, people aren't allowed to remake that stuff because yeah. Lucasfilm and, you know, Disney, Disney owns Lucasfilm, D- Disney owns Star Wars. So, you know, you might have people make short films and fan films. Um, but in terms of like making a feature, like you wouldn't be allowed to do that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, from Lucasfilm's point of view, along with not necessarily wanting to admit to that having made a mistake, <laughs> um, they I don't think they have any interest in revisiting the past. Yeah. I, mean, I, yeah. I think they see the value in expanding the universe because you can only rely on, you know, Mark Hamill <laughs> for, for so long. Like you, you want to, if you truly want to make the brand last, you have to, you have to have more, more material out there. And, you know, you, we're getting the High Republic and it sounds like that's what the, ac- the Acolyte is going to be set during yeah. towards the end of the High Republic. But, you know, we have these novels, graphic novels. I mean, there's so much stuff out there. And that's not to say that every graphic novel character is going to make the leap to the big screen or the small screen. True. Um, but just like what they announced at the, uh, like the uh, skeleton, skeleton crew, I mean, I think that's the within the within the timelines that we know. Yeah, there are so many stories that are still to be told. Like it's a big galaxy. Yeah, so much so much stuff can be happening. I mean, an empire an empire is huge. Yes, and so even just within the timelines that we've been presented with, which right now are the prequel, original trilogy, sequel trilogy, yeah. a lot of stories there. But also, I think they want to they want to continue the timeline. Like they want to go back to the High Republic. They want, maybe they'll go back to the old Republic. Uh, you know, they've, they've done that in comics and books and games. Maybe they'll do that with a show or yeah. a, a film. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so yes, as like as bad a taste as a movie can leave <laughs> in one's mouth. Um, the idea that they would go back and give it another swing. I don't, I actually don't think there's a lot of money there. Um, no, no. but I do think as a little bit of a side tangent on this that daisy really boyega and oscar isaac will all come back down the road for a new trilogy i do believe that i think you're gonna have to do a lot of bridge repairing and look oscar isaac's already been in moon Knight, so that bridge is somewhat repaired but i think ridley is seeing that she's not quite as successful uh post star wars boyega too and so you start to kind of see like okay time heals all wounds New people are involved, new writers. It's a more diverse representation in Star Wars now, which I think would appease John Boyega in many ways because he's spoken about that. Uh, and then Daisy Ridley, I think there is going to be a reappreciation of Ray because people are so caught up with Kylo Ren. I think they forgot how good Daisy actually is in the role. And I think that's going to, like, kind of like Hayden, they're going to want to will her back to Star Wars. And then I think 10 years from now, we're going to see the beginnings of the trilogy start to happen with those three. I, I thoroughly believe that. So, um, all right, let's move on to our next question here. Uh, let me share the screen. This one's from Demon Lord Illidan. Oh my, Demon Lord. Um, I'm sure it's a reference that I don't know about. Uh, what he's at at original. Little, I don't. I can't tell if those are all I's or L's. So I'm going to say Illidan. What is the one lesser known DC and Marvel character that you'd like to see in live action? either movie or stream for me, DC, I'd like to see the question 
for Marvel box or uh, for Marvel box or even Alpha Flight would be interesting. So, Shannon, um, thoughts on a lesser known DC and or Marvel character that you'd like to see in live action? Well, the question is a fantastic suggestion. Yes. Um, on Justice League Unlimited, you know, the question played a pretty big role. Uh, and such a cool, fun character. Like, you would really think that a question series could could be a possibility. I mean, yeah. like, a, like a lower, not not a crazy superhero budget, but just, just a fun detective noir series. Like, that yeah. seems really, really possible. I mean, I think the hope um, for audiences in general is that DC gets their ducks in a row to where they can make the justice a justice league unlimited kind of a kind of a a, a live thing yeah like a, a live action thing like to have a world populated with superheroes that the mcu currently does um an, another character another dc character um for me would be captain adam oh that's a great um, choice yeah and definitely the way that justice league unlimited portrayed him mm-hmm. that this is a military man um, especially in the political climate. I think Captain Adam could be a really interesting character um, that this is a guy, this, you know, this is a guy who follows orders. That's, yeah. that's, that's what he does. Um, and just uh, uh, visually, I think Captain Adam could be a super cool, super cool addition. In terms of Marvel, I mean, <laughs> they're getting a lot of people on screen. Right now. <laughs> I mean, this is not a lesser known character, but I mean, I sure hope we get to see in the MCU. I hope we get to see Dr. Doom, um, yeah. especially after the little Howard Stern. Thing. I mean, whatever with that. I mean, people were like, wait, Howard Stern is Dr. Doom. That's not what he said. He said he might be in the movie and he probably have a small part. <laughs> He's not going to be. You know, Doctor Doom, for God's sakes, ridiculous. Which, which my guess is, like, say he did spill the beans on some Fantastic Four news. Yeah, that that he would be playing himself. My, I would imagine, and he's interviewing right. Victor Von Doom. Like that would be my that would be my guess. If if it's at all even real, like, is a giant giant possibility that that was all just you know nonsense. Yeah, smoke and mirrors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How about um, you, Jenny? Well, I think for me, uh, DC would be Booster Gold. I am, yeah, man. I am losing my, you know, I, I've been rereading Justice League International, the the, the Demetice run, the J.M. Demetice run. I love those. That's my favorite Justice League run ever. And I should try out Justice League Unlimited. I should uh, read that run because nothing has ever come close to that. The tongue-in-cheek way they handle that without losing the stakes of all the stories they tell, the Guy Gardner, Fire and Ice, Captain Adam, Rocket Red, uh, all of them that are in there. It's just fantastic. But it's the friendship between Booster Gold and Blue Beetle, the Ted Cord and Booster Gold friendship that is just so great um, as a kind of a Laurel and Hardy type thing. But Booster Gold, there is so much with that story without anybody attached to him. Time traveling aspect of it all, the incredible powers he has, the fact that he's kind of an out of touch, good looking dude living in the bubble, all of those things are just tailor-made for the right... Th- like, James Gunn's Booster Gold would be super fascinating. Uh, and so this idea that there, there's a place here for a character like this that could be a lot of fun in the DCU, especially because they seem to have no fear in throwing harder humor, as we saw in Peacemaker, into the DC universe now. I think there's a way to do Booster Gold that can be fun with some slight harder humor 
but also still in the end deliver a really good um, piece of uh, media for people to enjoy, a really good film or TV series uh, for the people to enjoy. So that's my choice for Booster Gold. Um, I mean, for DC. I love the idea of Alpha Flight for Marvel. That's I, that's one of those like ones like, what are we doing? Like, why are we waiting on Alpha Flight when there's so much there to really uncover and enjoy? So why, why are we waiting on this? Um, Silver Sable comes to mind. Um, Sentry comes to mind. Really, Hyperion comes to mind if we start looking at Squadron Supreme. But I think Sentry is the one. And, you know, um, Sentry is so interesting because it's actually the Superman of the Marvel Universe, but he has mental health issues. So I think that would be fascinating to take a chance to do a series on the Sentry and what he goes through as the Superman character of Marvel and the fact that there's this expectation of him and yet he suffers with, and he usually wins, but he suffers with this, these occasional bouts of mental health or darkness in the void. And I think that could be really fascinating to explore and gutsy for Marvel to explore um, in, in a project. So those, yeah. those are my two, like kind of out of the box choices. So. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, again, thinking of Marvel now, um, yeah. Depending on what they do with Kit Harrington's Black Knight, I mean, oh, yeah, that yeah. Opened the door to Captain Britain. Right. As well. And I know there was a like, fan petition to have Cavill, Cavill play Captain Russian. Britain. <laughs> but also Cavill could be Hercules. I mean, yeah, yeah. I think if Cavill, like, it, it sure sounds like uh, uh, the Warner Brothers Discovery CEO was a Zasloff. Yeah, David um, Zasloff, yeah. It sure sounds like he wants Henry Cavill staying in that red cape yeah um because if if he doesn't like i imagine the mcu would uh scoop him up two sweets oh yeah not even a question um all right shen what's the next question this one this one is fun so this okay. is from uh fatal the baptist at black joe bags what movie or tv show have the geek buddies bonded over or <laughs> argued over and what are the silliest arguments you've had while living together oh wow well, <laughs> so bonded over? Did we? I mean, oh, I know what I'm going to say. Oh, please go ahead. Take it. Armageddon. Armageddon. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> that is a movie that the three of us we all acknowledge what it is. Yes. But unabashedly, just love that. Love that movie. The score. The the whole. You know, twelve-minute launch sequence is so good. The fact that Bruce Willis has kind of a roughneck accent at the beginning, yeah. and by the end, he's full-on, you know, New Jersey. Hey, man, what are you doing? What is this? What is this all about? That yeah. that movie, we the three of us. The, I want to say it was less than a year. I mean, maybe it was during is during twenty twenty, but it. Yeah. The three of us ended up playing. Someone was watching it like on HBO or something. Yes. And the other, t uh, the other two <laughs> ended up. Uh, uh, we all started like texting uh, screenshots. Yeah. From the movie, to, from this movie that we've all seen like a hundred <laughs> screenshots, gifts, lines. It w it went on for a while. 
And the thing is, it should not be the film that all three of us bond over. It really shouldn't for so many reasons. Because, I mean, you know, I mean, logically, I would like a Michael Bay film. But there's like some really cheesy dialogue, some cheesy moments. Michael loves to pick apart movies like this. Shannon picks apart dialogue <laughs> interactions and, and what have you. But for whatever reason, it checks all our boxes. Uh, and uh, it is the one movie we have really kind of surprisingly bonded over if you're not talking about like you know marvel or dc stuff that is the one film that kind of would surprise a lot of people that we are three of us devoted fans of like and know it <laughs> not and know it like line by line uh, uh like it's not just we enjoy it we know the movie you know <laughs> and i would say we don't really i feel like we respect each other's opinions like we don't really argue no, over no. movies we might debate, yeah, we certainly debate. um yeah. um and, and man of steel was certainly a hot topic for a yeah. while i yeah. mean john prop john loves it the most yes i'm 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 definitely on the love train i'm probably slightly below and vogel yeah. as the biggest superman fan it is just not yeah it's not his movie but yeah. it, it's always it's always a healthy respectful debate yeah um it, it's not an argument what you see us do on here is absolutely how we do it regularly anyway. Uh, unless we're fighting about personal shit. But when it comes to movies or geek stuff, this is how we debate about it or fight about it is how you see it on the show. It's legitimate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. But the silliest, I, I don't know. What's the silly? I mean, yeah, I, I guess because Mike, Mike's not here to say it, I I think it would have to be Finding Nemo, right? I mean, it was the Finding Nemo fight. I think that's what it was. The Finding Nemo fight uh, that happened when we were living together, me and him with Ian. And we just, for Michael, for whatever reason, Michael, there was just uh, differences of opinions going on like crazy in the house that day about going to see Finding Nemo at a certain time. I think I'd accused him of being... I think back then it wasn't called privileged. It was something else, you know, conceited or arrogant or something about it. And uh, I had gone too far and Michael just kind of just was so hurt, lost it, stormed upstairs, uh, crying, crying, got into the bed and slammed the door, which I think if I remember correctly, the door wasn't fixed. So it was like a, it was like a, a saloon door or whatever. And so it went back and he's like, fine, go see the movie without me. And I don't, I don't, I don't know if we were arguing about the times of the movie or arguing about like who was going to get to go when, I don't know what it was, but it set off a firestorm in the house for sure. And, and I mean, arguing over an animated Pixar film, is probably one of the most ridiculous and not even arguing about the film, arguing about going to see it. Uh, and when was the argument? That's one of the silliest that I can, <laughs> you got any silly ones to throw? <laughs> I mean, you know, we always come back to the no man left behind. <laughs> oh my god! I guess we'll have to talk about it now. You brought it up. Go ahead. Well, no, man. you, no, you did. Well, you not the full story. Not the full you, story. you brought it up, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. So, so I will try to truncate this because. Okay. Uh, you know, we've, we've talked about it before, but okay. it was Comic-Con. I want to say it was the first night of Comic-Con. So yes, a we, few years ago, we went, we went pretty hard. I mean, we were, we were having wow. a good time. We were getting drunk, son. <laughs> and we ended up at this late night pizza place. Yeah, 
oh, that yeah. was a little deeper into the gas lamp. Like you're starting to leave the, uh, <laughs> safety's not the right word, like, but you're starting to leave the security of the Comic-Con businesses more into yeah. the, not not as Comic-Con. The citizens are showing up, basically. Sure, the, lo- the locals. Yeah, the locals. And we all got some pizza, and I was, per- and, and it was, it was not crazy. just, it was, crazy. it was very busy, and it was also not just me and John. <laughs> oh, Mike Kalinowski was there, and our friend Jonathan Blue was there as well. Yeah, yeah. But basically what happened is, and again, I'm, this is very fuzzy, because I'd had a little bit to drink. Um, John... Funny. <laughs> of course not you're the aggrieved party very clear <laughs> you're, you're very clear john was going across the street to get some money out of the atm yeah to get a pizza yes and take the I, charge card i don't remember the sequence of events but i feel like somebody this was like you know what i'm gonna go and so not really remembering why we were there to begin with i'm like all right let's go yeah. and so we ended Back at the uh, hotel bar. The three of them left me by myself <laughs> at a seedy pizza place with some unsavory characters at one or two in the morning. It was late. It and, was yeah. late. And I was, I was very hurt by this because, you know, I was still kind of like getting my feet wet at Comic-Con. It had only been a few years I'd been going. So I was like, you know, hanging out with buddies was a, a big deal to me. And I think it was still in the throes of my kind of uh, therapy and stuff and figuring out uh, my issues of, with self-worth and self-acceptance and all of that. So it was definitely a before uh, 2016. So, um, yeah. And so I felt really hurt by what they did. Felt I, I mean, I stormed back. And the whole time I'm like, see, they fucking hate you. They fucking hate you. You're nobody. You mean nothing to them. They left oh, you behind. That's how little you matter to these motherfuckers. I don't know why you... All these internal dialogue is going on in my head. And so I show up at the hotel room and I just... No, no. I showed up and I got in bed. Yeah. Because uh, no one was there in the hotel room. So I was there by myself. And I got in bed. And I ate my pizza, goddamn. But I got in bed. <laughs> and... um Shannon comes in and and with no, Mike, no, it was, Ka- it was Kalinowski. Oh, first. Kalinowski comes. In Kalinowski first, and I started yelling at them, yelling at him, and like, what the fuck happened? Blah blah blah. And everybody's drunk, right? Nobody, no, I don't think anybody did it on purpose. They just wanted to get back. Uh, I just know they wouldn't have left Vogel behind. But anyway, uh, Shannon comes in, and and determined and, to fix the situation. Yeah, determined because you know what I'm saying because Kalinowski and I at the time we had issues already that were bubbling below the surface. <laughs> And that kind of really exploded it, uh, and uh, and then Shannon came in, yeah, and tried to be. And I was I went after him more than Kalinowski because Shannon was actually my friend of years, and I couldn't believe he. It was more of an offense that Shannon did it than Kalinowski or Blue, you know. So it just was it it really escalated um, into. And then Shannon, to his credit, exactly what he said earlier in the show, he tried to appease the situation, tried to rub my leg, he tried to say all these things, and I was like, no, not this time. Well, I remember Kalinowski ran out of the hall. Yes, r- ran out of the room into the hall as I'm, you know, like a like a like a pinball, <laughs> you know, bouncing down the hallway, and he's just like, "Oh, champ, don't go in there. He's mad. He's mad." And I'm like, "Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I got it." <laughs> and and I couldn't be- like I could not believe in my you know uh, inebriated stupor that I'm like I can't believe it's not working. It's hard works. <laughs> <laughs> and then like john was just 
Yeah. Very, very upset. And it was clearly, it, as, as Shannon has asked me in the past, what's this really about? It clearly was about so much more than what had just happened. Yeah. But then, but to John's credit, like he, 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 he got out what he needed to get out. But yeah. then he's like, I don't want to talk about this right now. I don't want to talk about it. Like, I just want to go to sleep. We'll talk about it in the morning. And by the time, you know, we woke up and it, it at least for you and I, it had yeah. passed. Like, yeah, yeah. like it became more of a joke at that point. But you were just like, <laughs> you looked over and you kind of grabbed your pillow and it's like you, you reared it back like you were going to clock me. And then you were like, don't leave me. Don't leave me. Yeah. And I'm like, yep, got it. <laughs> so to make it clear. And then I remember Kalinowski thinking like, oh, okay, everything's good. And you're like, oh, I'm not done. I'm not done with you yet. Yeah, we, we have to have our conversation. <laughs> just like a true Scorpio. But now when I go to Comic-Con, I like, I'd like to go off on my own and go do stuff and go whatever. Because I feel more comfortable now. I know, I know the layout, you know. And so it's, it's a lot more chill. I mean, I remember one night recently I went off on my own and, at the cigar bar and sat out there and had drinks and smoked my cigar and just really enjoyed uh, my night. So it just, it just at the time, I was dealing with clearly a lot of shit that I hadn't, I hadn't dealt with. And I'm glad I did through therapy because that's a pretty silly argument. You know, like, oh, fuck it, they left. I'm like, eat my pizza and... Head on back to the hotel. No big deal. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, let's do one more so we go. We can move on to uh, talk a, a little uh, something else. Well, this is fun. I, I like this one. Yeah, let me uh, let me bring this one up here, man. Um, and then we're gonna wrap it up. I think after one or two of these questions here. So I'm sorry if we didn't get to all the questions, but I like this one from Anthony Perez at Darth underscore Mischief. He says. After recently watching the new Father of the Bride and digging it, and it is good. It's on HBO Max, ladies and gentlemen. Andy Garcia is fantastic in the film. I decided to rewatch Godfather 3, Coda version this time. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an Andy Garcia kick, but I really embrace the film and his character in particular. Would a Godfather 4 starring Andy Garcia as an older, more reserved Don, directed by a young and hungry director, sound good to you guys? With all these legacy sequels coming out, why not The Godfather? Cinema is sorely missing the epic, the epic mafia film these days. And Shannon, I ask you this question um, on the heels of you having finished the offer. So uh, thoughts on this idea of would you want to see a Godfather 4 with Andy Garcia as an older Don now um, and a young hungry director taking, taking the reins? So the Godfather 3, I have seen one time. Yeah. And... and... It is not something that I would I would be excited to revisit. Um, Godfather one, I you know I've watched many times. Godfather two, less so. I'm I'm one of the few that thinks the first one's better than the second one. Um, but I do like Andy Garcia, yeah. and it, it would all depend. I mean, it would just depend on the story because there are so many ways that these legacy sequels. Some turn out great. The majority feel kind of like cash grabs. Yeah, yeah. And I would, you know, I'd like to think that's not, that's never the filmmaker's intention. Like right. even, even if a studio wants to cash grab, like the, the, the filmmaker, the, the creative team that they hire, they want to make a good movie. Yeah. And it, it's really hard to say. I mean, again, like, like I, I understand the, the absence of the epic, mafia film we've gotten so much great yeah. mafia stuff on tv like yeah. you know you had the sopranos you had boardwalk empire yeah. yeah um but on the heels of watching the offer 
which is on Paramount Plus. It's about the making of The Godfather from the perspective of Albert Ruddy, who was the, the producer. Great series, like yeah. really, really great series. I don't know. I mean, but again, I think if, if you're making it with Andy Garcia, yeah. it's not it's not that. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be you know a continuation. Because when when did The Godfather three come out? 90, 90, 1990, I think. Nineteen ninety. Oh my yeah, gosh. Yeah. So you're talking thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, listening to the cinephiles on Ocean's Eleven. Oh yeah with Andy Garcia, like, you know, you guys talking about Andy Garcia and how much, you know, I, I really liked Andy Garcia. Like he, he had, he just had this quiet menace yeah. thinking of that. Yeah. In Godfather four. I mean, that could be interesting, but we haven't um, seen that Andy in years, man. That, that's my concern. I think, uh, sorry, Sam, did you want to finish your point? Sorry. Well, I mean, basically because the Godfather, trilogy is not necessarily near and dear to my heart yeah. i don't have as much skin in the game it's like you want to take another swing at it great go for it yeah. um you know indiana jones 5 that's a great that was a great still and i like <laughs> james Mangold, but after four i'm i'm a bit gun shy so i think the, the the better the better person to ask would be you because you know you yeah. you're more in that camp than i am. yeah I, I think enough time has passed where i'd be excited to explore this world again. And wouldn't the irony be that Sofia Coppola directs it? So, right? I mean, with her dad on as an executive producer. Keep it in the family. Yeah, keep it in the family, of course. I think it would be fascinating. And ironically, directing her love interest from Godfather Part Three in this role, she should not appear. In, well, of course, she's dead, so she doesn't have to. But thank God. But I think her directing it now... As a seasoned director and someone who's in her prime as a director, I think it would be really fascinating. And having a woman's point of view, because that is very important nowadays in our pop culture and in our media that we consume, uh, creating space for women to take their points or g give their points of views on uh, older properties or older franchises or older uh, uh, stuff. I think it would be fascinating to have that. And seeing Vincent now, 30 years later, what kind of Don would he be? Would he be better than Michael? Would he be worse than Michael? Who would be around him? I mean, Talia Shire is still around. So Talia Shire could have a, a role to play here for sure. I don't know if any of the other characters uh, uh, are around here, but like there's possibilities. I would love to see it, to be honest with you. Um, and I think it would be the time to do it now. Because Garcia, mm -hmm. he's, he's still a you know an incredible actor. It's just we haven't seen him do these things. It was like seeing De Niro in American Hustle, right? Just those five minutes scared the living shit out of you. Even though you just seen four Meet the Parents movies, he still has that gear when he needs to turn it on. And so my question is, does Andy still have that gear in this construct? to turn it on and make it work as a Don who could be seen as someone to fear and respect. Um, so yeah, I'd be willing to open the door to it if it stays in the family. Uh, so that's, that's my point of view on it. Cause, cause I think Andy's great. And we'd love to see Andy revisit that role. Why not? If Tom could do what he did in Top Gun Maverick, I think Andy could do what he does in, in, in this. Film. And, and we'd end the, 
series on a way better film than Godfather Part Three, which is not a good movie. I don't care what it is, Coda or not, it is not a good movie. <laughs> um, all right, do you want to pick one more, or shall we? Are we good? Are no, we good? let's let's do one more yeah, because one more. because we were talking about Top Gun. I got I got to scroll to I got to scroll to find it here. Uh, where did it go? Where did it go? Um, okay, here we go. Okay. Um, this is from Alex Tornai, which is at Tornai88. So that's okay. T-O-R-N-A-I, if you're looking for the spelling. Um, assuming Top Gun Maverick remains the top grossing film of the year until December, do you think that Avatar 2 has a chance at surpassing Top Gun when it's all said and done? Ooh, good question. Good question. Wow. And yeah, Top Gun crossed a billion dollars before July 4th weekend. A lot of people thought it was going to cross it. This weekend, now because of July 4th and the celebration and the dearth of competition, because Jurassic World Dominion is sinking like a stone, it's making its money, but it's not anywhere near number one. Elvis, you know, took the top spot for one week over Top Gun, but barely. Lightyear is sinking like a stone. Yeah, Lightyear, <laughs> sorry, Lightyear is actually sinking like a stone, right. Jurassic is still making its money, but it's not in the top slot or threatening to be in the top slot. And, and Marcel, the shell, is a really sweet film, but that is not going to challenge Top Gun. No. So um, it's a great question. I think it's going to keep making its money. I mean, I see this staying in the theaters for maybe another month or so, bro. And that's kind of insane to think about. They haven't even released an announcement of when this might be available in home video. And I think the reason is because it's doing so well in the theaters. There's no plan to drop it just yet on home video. Even though you see the pictures, you see the the artwork being done, they're not rushing it out. So I think this is going to hang on for quite some time. But do I think Avatar 2 is going to beat it? I think it all depends on if it's a good movie, to be honest with you. I think people are going to come out to see it the first weekend. But just like with Jurassic World Dominion, nostalgia is not enough to have it vie for number one. Uh, consistently for weeks, right? That would equated being able to cross a billion and challenge Top Gun Maverick. So I think it has to be a good movie. And if it is, along with the visuals I saw in that trailer, then yes, I think absolutely it'll I, I what did I say? I said I thought if it's a good movie, I, I said that it would cross three billion dollars. Um which has never been done. And I think Avatar 2 has a real opportunity to cross three billion dollars if it's incredible. Man, I don't know. Like the the vibe that I get, because it has less to do, because obviously Top Gun, as you said, is going to keep making money. There's no rush to have it leave theaters because it's still making money hand over fist. The vibe that I get from a lot of folks with Avatar is like, oh, it looks like the first one, but with water. Um, That's kind of, that's the vibe. And and like, and thinking back to 09 when Avatar came out and how James Cameron had really revolutionized that 3D, that 3, 3D technology. I, I, I don't know. I don't know how many people um, are jonesing to revisit the world of Pandora. Like, I might be wrong. Like, I, I'm excited to see Avatar 2. I thought the first one, that was, that was an incredible experience. That was past movie, but because the 3D was just so encompassing. Yeah. Will the second one do that? I don't know. I mean... Vogel talks about like I've not been there, but in uh, Animal Kingdom in Orlando, the fourth right. fourth Disney park, they have Pandora. Pandora, yeah. 
and the ride, which I believe is called Flight of Passage, it's where you basically ride a banshee, you know, the the, the flying animals. Yeah. Um, I hear that's the most amazing ride in the world. I mean, Vogel talks about how emotional he got during it because you have the Avatar <laughs> score, or yeah, you have the Avatar score playing. Um, but again, like being a, a theme park employee and knowing folks who work in the industry, I, I don't know how successful it was. And maybe it was great. And it just doesn't, hasn't, that information I just didn't, it didn't get to me. Yeah. Um, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how many people go back and see Avatar 2 again, because that's really where Top Gun is making its money. Is oh, people, yeah. people, people want that feeling again, yeah. again, and again, and again. Yeah. Um, you know, with everything that's come out, like, you know, you and I talked about already. I mean, my wife and I, we saw Elvis over the weekend. Right. Um, I, but, and it was, and it was, it was good. Um, it was fine. <laughs> um, I, I know. Well, I, I don't have the love for the king that you do. Incredible aspects to it. Yeah. Um, but we got out of theater. I'm like, I want to go see Top Gun again. <laughs> like, I've seen this movie <laughs> three or four times now. <laughs> and like, I'm fine to go by myself. And like, the thing that, like, especially if you have the AMC A list app and you, know, yeah. you can pick your seat, every weekend, it's still playing in big theaters and every weekend they're packed Yeah, and people just want to keep seeing this movie again and again. So to your point, if avatar two is an incredible movie that people want to experience multiple times, 100%, like as, as Vogel has always said, don't count out James Cameron. Nope. Um, but at this point, top gun seems like a, uh, a car you can't catch right now. I feel like top gun Maverick is the one film that finally says that cinemas are cinemas back like it's it's the field of dreams film mm. by that i mean people will come ray they don't know why they'll just hand over their money because they want to feel that feeling again and exactly what you're saying that speech from field of dreams describes top gun maverick if you took some words out and replaced it with top gun maverick you'd basically have that why people are going to see it multiple times as you said they love the feeling of that film it reminds them of so many things uh, and it connects with multiple generations because it isn't old people going to see it multiple times. It's, it's multiple generations of people going to see it multiple times. And so that's what that film is, right? So it's an anomaly in that way. Um, the one thing I'll say about Avatar 2, the, oh, the other thing I'll say about Avatar 2 is that the trailer for it and you say, oh, people you talk to, yeah, you know, we know a lot of cynical people, you know, so they can be like, oh, who cares? But that trailer picked up a, almost 150 million views in 24 hours. And that's not even counting the people that saw it in the Doctor Strange um, theaters, right, for mm. the first time. $150 million. It broke the 24-hour viewership record by almost 40 million views. That Black Widow was the, was the winner at 1168 and it got a, almost 150 at 148 points or 140.6 yeah, million dollars. So that's insane. Okay. That's or 30 million views, I guess, is the difference. That's insane. And so that to me tells me that there is an interest outside our Hollywood cynical bubble of us that most people are like, cool, a James Cameron film is <coughs> fun. Bless you. I'll go see it. And so. I think they're going to go in droves, and if it's good, it's going to shock people how much movie, how much money it makes, 
That's why I think it's going to make $3 billion. There's Ooh. something about Cameron that he is the pied fucking piper of cinema. And people go see his movies. I saw Titanic eight times in the theaters. People go see his movies multiple times. Maybe for the same reason they go to Top Gun Maverick, uh, Shannon, is to feel that feeling and escape into a whole other world. Um, and it's so viscerally believable that they can't help themselves to be caught up in it. So in a world that's co- consistently going crazy week to week, day by day sometimes, hour to hour, by hour sometimes, going to a place where you can disappear into a completely whole other world where the good people win over the bad, um, I think will attract a lot of people to go see a movie like this. So, I mean, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I mean, I'm I sure hope James Cameron I hope... hopes I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to fund that next expedition to the exactly. Titanic. He's got three <laughs> um, more of these to go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, again, like I love pulling up that AMC app and seeing how crowded Top Gun is. I mean, I hope that I hope that that uh, real estate doesn't just belong to Marvel. I hope that other yeah. studios, other franchises, other films are able to to replicate that success. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, on that note, we should get on out of here. Thank you all so much for watching our special Q&A or listening to our special Q&A episode here uh, from the Geek Buddies. We appreciate it madly. Shannon, another fun show. Please uh, let people know what we got to let them know. Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at The Roca Says. And as Michael might say, if you like to answer questions or if you like to ask questions, whatever you like to do, we want you to be part of the Geek Buddies community. So... Uh, make sure you hit a like on this video. Leave a comment down below. Let us know what your answers were to these questions. Uh, uh, what do you want? Do you think Avatar 2 is going to surpass Top Gun Maverick? Do you think uh, Andy Garcia should be doing Godfather 4 with Sofia Coppola directing? Do you want to see a Booster Gold movie? Or do you want to see anything else that the, uh, Shannon and John proposed? Let us know down in the comment section below. Mm-hmm. Remember to leave a like or uh, on this podcast as well. Remember, we've got the Geek, Geek Buddies podcast feed out there. Leave a review. Leave a rating. Those all help us go up in people's points of views and get seen by more people. So there you go. Uh, so they can hang out with the, your buddies, the geek buddies. There you go. Um, <laughs> and, and we appreciate it madly. And also a big shout out to carbonhealth.com. Carbonhealth.com. There they support and sponsor us here on the Geek Buddies. Hey, they've got an app that you can download as well. Have a doc, have a doc in your pocket, a doctor in your pocket there for any healthcare questions, concerns, or needs you have in your daily life. They have virtual care. They have in-person care. They got clinics uh, all across the country. Certainly, there's uh, 60 plus locations in California alone. They believe in uplifting communities, helping communities who are positive, uh, just like the Geek Buddies communities. And they love to create specialized healthcare plans just for you. And look, a lot of stuff's going on in the world. Getting a checkup isn't a bad thing. Making sure everything is going right with you is a good thing because you never know how stress can affect your body so go and get that checked out go and get a full physical today over at carbonhealth.com all right thank you all so much and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new uh, episode here from the geek buddies <gasps> hey!
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.